word this morning? Bailey, I'm pretty sure you're older than that. <laughs> I'm just picking on you. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us. Uh, pray that you help me to be faithful as I um, share the word this morning, as I as I bring the message. Help me to be um, help me to be uh, just a, a conduit of your Spirit, Lord. Help me to proclaim the gospel. Help me to share Jesus just over and over again um, in all things, Lord. Help me to be um, um, just just true to your word. And Lord, I pray that if if there are uh, if there are things that I would say that that fall outside of that, that you would um, that you would stop me, that you would make it clear to me that I'm in the wrong. And I pray, Lord, that folks would hear from you this morning, that they would come to know you, that they would be in your presence, um, that the spirit in the message today would be planted in their hearts. In Christ's name, Amen. Uh, I so I we're going to be doing two more grace sermons. And uh, actually, I had reached a natural conclusion, and I realized there was a couple of things I really wanted to hit. Well, there was one thing I really wanted to hit home. And if I was going to do that right, I had to do two more messages. So um, we're going to be doing two more grace sermons, and then we will be moving on. Uh, We might be doing Timothy. Uh, I think that would be fun. Or Titus would also be fun. Um, But we'll, we'll see what happens here in a couple weeks. I'm praying about it. Um, before we start, there is a football game today, um, and I'm assuming that's about where half of us are. Um, and some of y'all are watching the clock and thinking, why haven't we finished yet? We're running late already on Super Bowl Sunday. Hey, it, if I, I know, but the spirit moves as he wills, so I can't promise anything. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> It is Super Bowl Sunday, and I, on a whim this morning, I was, I was um, the way I write sermons, I usually do a lot of research, and then I try to come up with stories, and a lot of times I don't kind of figure out how I'm going to start a message until the la- you know, until like the morning of, and for whatever reason, I, I, that's just how it works. I can't seem to come up with ideas until the day of, and today I, I was looking at, I was thinking about the Super Bowl, and I thought, I wonder, like the NFL, I wonder how hard that is. I mean, I, I look and I think, well, you work once a week and, you know, like three months a year. And, you know, if you're in the, playing for the Packers, you work a quarter at the end of the – anyway. Um, I, I just know – anyway, sorry. I'm not going to start that. Um, and, and so I started researching, and I thought, you know, this couldn't be that hard. And so I, I started reading, and, and like eating and exercise seemed to be a big part of it. And, and so I, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if I could pull this off. And, and so I looked it up, and, and the one guy I read about, um, he, he eats nine meals a day, um, between six and 8,000 calories. And I thought, man, I could do that. <laughs> like, I, I could manage this. And I started getting a little confident. I thought, man, I could do this. And, and actually, I'm a guy, like any of you who know me well, I like working out. You know, I work out, you know, sometimes an hour and a half in the morning before the day starts. Like, I, I love going to the gym. And I started reading up on that. And these guys are working out about three hours a day. And I, I would kind of like that. And then I started reading. And a lot of the other stuff they do is studying and playing a game. And both are things that I totally love doing, and so I'm pretty sure I could make it in the NFL. <laughs> I, I take it from your laughs that you're skeptical, but they doubted Rudy, who didn't make it to the NFL either. 
Um, there is a crazy reality. As, as much as I, in fact, I was talking to um, um, Kasten, and, and he was talking about college and, like, eating constantly and going to the gym and working out and how much effort it took. It was a whole life commitment. And, and, and I thought, man, I could do that. I, at least I can play college ball, right? I'm no different than Kasten. And, of course, that's ridiculous because Kasten, he's, what, like a foot taller than me? <laughs> I, he, he would eat me as an appetizer for lunch because no matter how you slice it, no matter how you come at it, I could work out hard, I could eat perfect, I could do everything right, and I am not ever, ever, ever going to be NFL quality material. I'm not. And you know why? Because I'm not that big, right? I remember we used to have guys from Haver who came down from the college who were all football players, remember? And those guys were enormous I mean, they were big, and they were small compared to most football players Why they were playing in Montana. They were huge. And, in fact, we had like four of them over one day, and I made a brisket, an entire brisket, and they ate the whole thing. I couldn't believe it. There's like $80 worth of meat, and they devoured it in one sitting. And they were looking for more afterwards. I mean, it was not a small – I mean, it was insane. Um, I'm not physically large enough. And to take it a step further, even if I worked out every day, even if I ate right, even if I did all this stuff genetically, it goes beyond being big, man. I don't have that, right? Like I would have to be born a certain way, raised a certain way, train a certain way, and then if I'm lucky enough to be a part of the 2% of people who are you know, in the zone and all that stuff, I might get to play a couple seasons professionally. But like... As it is, I'm 28. I'm beyond the prime. <laughs> you know, especially at <laughs> 28 years. <laughs> yes, I, I maybe would be starting 28 years. No, I'm, I'm in my 40s. I, there's no way. It doesn't matter how hard I believe it. It doesn't matter if I do all the right things. It doesn't matter if I eat the right stuff. It doesn't matter if I work out every day. It doesn't matter if I study football and plays and tactics for sports and stuff. There's just no way. There aren't enough steroids in the world to make me an NFL player. There just isn't. Um, because I wasn't born that way. Doing the right thing is not enough if you're not born and raised correctly. Everybody with me? We're talking about grace today, okay? And this is a big thing because we're going to tackle the biggest, ugliest, most difficult conversations that relates to grace. We're going to start on this two-parter talking about grace and works. Works is the stuff you do, okay? And next week, we're going to dig into that a little more focused. But this week, we're going to look at it in a big, serious way. And, and I'm going to give you the whole thing up front before we even start. If you are doing stuff as a part of being a Christian, and it is all you, right? You're eating the right foods, and you're doing all the work and everything else, and it is all you. It's coming out of your flesh and your effort. It is not enough. Got it? You cannot work hard enough to be a Christian. You cannot work hard enough to be a son of God. You cannot work hard enough to be adopted into God's family. There is no amount of effort, training, anything that will put you there any more than I could become an NFL player by trying really, really hard, right? If I were, if I were to take the field this afternoon with, with 
I don't know who's playing. I, <laughs> the, the Chiefs, they're a team. Um, if I were to take the field with the Chiefs, I would, I would be physically dead in the space of about eight minutes. Um, and that, that's the first play, and then the amount of time it takes for my brain to stop working afterward. Um, because I can't do the work hard enough to overcome the fact that I was not born an NFL player. I just, I'm not big. I'm not strong. I'm not, like, I don't have fast reflexes. I don't have the right, you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, so as we dive into the text, we're going to come back to this idea. Trust me, it's going to make sense. Here's the series so far. We've talked about grace. First sermon, we talked about sin and how sin is unbelievably bad to God. It is so offensive and disgusting to God that God forgives us at all, that God has sent his son to die for us is amazing, right? It is the biggest, most awesome thing that could ever have happened. God's grace is so boundless based on how offensive we are to him in our natural state that that like the fact that he adopts us, grace is is the most radical idea in Christianity. In fact, it is the most radical idea in history. There is no other faith in the world that comes close to this radical concept. It is the one thing that makes Christianity unique, that God sent his son to die for us, and that our sin is, is utterly like offensive to God, and despite that, he does the work to save us, that we can't earn it, that it's a gift. Um, we did the lost parables. Um, the, Talked about the prodigal son, talked about coming home, talked about the oldest son. Uh, they're all on the Facebook page. They're all on the iTunes podcast if you want to check them out. Um, the big idea here is that God brings us back and we don't deserve it, right? And this is the background from the different sermon. I don't know how I ended up with that in there. I'm guessing that's my wife fiddling with it. I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't right. Um, so we're going to jump right past that. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be in Galatians today and what's going on in Galatia, um, in this, in this particular Greek city is Paul has come to him. He's preached the gospel to him. They've been converted. There's a church there and this group of folks have come into the church. They were Jewish converts. They were people who were, um, Pharisees or, or just like really, really devout Jews who came into the church and became Christians and began telling the folks around them, Hey, I know that you guys think you're Christians now, but if you're not circumcised, you're just not a Christian because Christ was a Jew, and so you have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian. So you've got to get circumcised, and you've got to obey these dietary laws, and here are all the other laws. And in fact, like if you look at ancient Judaism, um, <clears throat> there's a period of time where there was no temple, and the, Judea, the Jewish faith like, was, was consolidated down into synagogues and thinkers. And they worked out, how do you follow the laws perfectly? And they expanded the original laws to 600 different regulations that included things like, how do you not work on Sunday? A lot of it was about how do you not work on Sunday. And, and they had it nailed down to, if you travel five miles from your home, that's work. Four and a half, you're okay? Five is work. Um, if you, uh, you know, do this on a Sunday, it's work. If you don't, it's not work. And, like, like it was insane because they began to convert the church to the Jewish faith. And Paul is writing to him to contest this. And a lot of Paul's early letters are fighting this trend in the church where people began to say, if you want to be saved, you have to follow these rules. Now, 
Um, actually, I came across this, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, I was reading, uh, I was reading different things about like works and self righteousness and everything else, um, and I read this this essay um, years ago. This young man asked, "What must I do to be to what I what must I do um, to be saved? How do I step away from the world and be saved?" And the response was, um, colored clothing for one thing. Get rid of everything in your wardrobe that is not white. Stop sleeping on a soft pillow. Sell your musical instrument and don't eat any more white bread. You cannot, if you are sincere about obeying Christ, take warm baths or shave your beard. To shave is to lie against him who created us, to attempt to improve on his work. What do you think? 50 years ago? Fifty. I mean, that sounds about right, right? This is uh, 1,800 years ago this was written. Um, how do you become a Christian? Take cold showers. Don't eat white bread. Guess what? None of that stuff will make you a Christian. But since the very early days of the church, we have tried to find ways to work our way into heaven. We have tried to find ways to deserve what Christ did for us. And it's foolish. It is impossible. It is trying to be an NFL player. If you're, I mean, I, admittedly, I was born smart and handsome, but I wasn't born athletic. And so, like, I can't try hard enough to become that guy. Really, I get nothing. That was funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it was honest, so you didn't. Um, <laughs> so... Um, since the early days, we've tried to to work our way into heaven. We tried to be something that we're not. And it's like trying to, I mean, it's impossible. You cannot, cannot, cannot overcome your sinful nature and earn heaven. You cannot overcome the sin you've already committed and earn heaven. None of it works. So we're going to jump into Galatians here. I've spent way too much time sort of working our way into this. But it's a difficult theological idea. I want to make sure we're all on board here. Um, so there's a little background as the proceedings, so you have some context. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul writes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, this is an important concept, okay? Paul is saved because Christ lives in him, not because he is doing something, right? Um, in terms of my analogy, this would be um, the Eric you know has died, and Brett Favre has been resurrected inside him kind of thing, right? Like, I would have to become a completely different person in order to become what I'm trying to be. In order to be saved, the man that I am has to die, and Christ has to live in me. Um, And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, meaning that it's my faith in Christ that makes that possible. When I try to do things apart from my faith in Christ, I will fail. And I will fail like a 40-year-old man trying to keep up with 20-year-old super athletes, right? Only worse. Um, It is impossible because of the nature that I have in the flesh. My flesh is wicked. Your flesh is wicked. We desire sin. We rebel. In fact, how about this? Show of hands. Has any of you, have any of you guys ever set rules for yourself in order to try and be a little more holy? Anybody done this? Anybody discover the more you set rules for yourself, the worse you get? I mean, <laughs> the hands all disappeared then, but I see a lot of nods. Because um, nobody wants to own that. But it's the truth, because we cannot 
by our own efforts, by our own rules, by our own work, be holy. It is only through our faith in Christ that we can be holy. By the way, if you think, why does, Jesus, why does Eric get up, I'm not Jesus, why does Eric get up every week and talk about the crucifixion and salvation and faith in Christ? And It's because the only way for us to be holy is to be in Christ, and we do that by remembering the gospel over and over again, remembering the truth of who we are in Christ and growing in that truth. Um, it's not... It's not your family. It's not your effort. It's not anything else. It is only through Christ that we become holy, that we become righteous, that we are acceptable to God. Um, And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Now, be clear here, right? I applied for a job once. Actually, I had a job. I was offered. When I walked out of college, they said, you can work here the first day at Moody Radio, right? Like, and I had this radio degree, and I, instead I ran off and married Jess, and I stand by my decision. Um, but they told me, hey, you come back in six months when, you're, when you have your degree in hand, we will hire you. Like, first day, no questions asked. And I said, all right, well, what's entailed here? And we talked for a little while, and they said, oh, can't go to the movies, What? Why not? Because it's sinful. Can't dance. What? Well, why not? Because it's sinful. sinful. Very good. You guys are following right along. Um, And they kept listing these things off, and I was like thinking, where is that in the scriptures? Like, can you show me? Because it's not. It's just not. Um, But the assumption often is that I can add to my salvation by stepping away from everything in life that's fun and good and wonderful. I don't. I got to stop enjoying the creation. I can't eat good food. I can't anything. And I've got to become something different. And by my own effort and suffering, I become more saved. Well, no, Christ suffered for me, and that is how I'm saved. If I try to earn my salvation, then I am saying Jesus' death has no purpose. It is just me. I deserve it. We become the older brother in the the lost parables. Um, Again, if you missed it, they're online. Um, So 3-1, we finally reached the text 20 minutes in. We're only doing five verses today um, after that. So, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, we're going to hit pause here. Um, Paul is going to ask like five questions here. Okay? Easy enough. We're just going to go through the questions to be done. Um, and the first one is personal. He asks, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> right? He starts with, who the heck tricked you into this nonsense? And he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, there's a couple of possibilities as to what this means. It might mean that Paul got up and he preached Christ crucified to these guys, and that's how they came to believe. It also might mean that these guys had a vision, an experience, where they saw like a vision of Christ crucified. It's not clear which one it is, but Paul is going to do something that we don't usually do nowadays. He is going to jump right into a conversation about experience. The scriptures are huge and important, right? The scriptures are the bottom line for all of our knowledge of God. This is how God speaks to us primarily. But Paul is going to talk about experience because to a degree, experience like informs us, 
right? And here's this first example. He says, listen, you guys came to faith because you, like, knew Christ crucified. That's where it started. Was it by works? No, it was Christ crucified. Who tricked you into going a different way? Who tricked you into doing something else? Verse 2. Let me ask you this. And this is like sort of the thesis for the larger chapter. And he's just going to ask questions. Um, Any of your parents ever do this to you when you were kids where they just ask questions and they were awful, hard, sharp questions? And like there was no arguing with them. And you're like, oh, my gosh, stop asking questions. And you kind of get mad because like they're, you know, it's it. And he says, who tricked you? you? You know Christ. You know Christ crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So so when you were saved, when the Holy Spirit came on you, when you came to new life, was it because you worked really hard or because you heard the gospel and had faith in it? And the answer is obviously we had faith. It's a rhetorical question, right? There's no arguing this because Paul knows he was there. He's the one who preached the gospel to him, and they came to faith Or they came to know Christ by faith. Like the Spirit came on them by faith. They came to life in Christ by faith. They went from dead in their trespasses and sins because they believed in Christ. Um, This is huge. This is the fundamental idea in Christianity. Do not miss this. If If you want to be saved, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be made new, if you want your past gone, if you want to be forgiven, washed clean, Everything else, have faith in Christ first. It is the beginning and the end of the whole conversation. You have to have faith in Christ. And that is like plugging in, right? Um, I remember years ago I was having trouble with my computer. I could not seem to get it to work, and I messed with it, and it just wouldn't come on, and I thought, well, it's just dead. And then I happened to look, and the plug was hanging out. Anybody ever do that? Like... I'm the old guy, I guess. (laughs) It won't work if it's not plugged in. Um, You cannot be alive in Christ if you are not plugged in. And the plug is faith, period. It is, I believe Christ was the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe he was raised again on the third day. I believe that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And that I am forgiven because I belong to him. Um, That is it. It's not by works that anyone can boast, as Paul says in Romans. You got nothing to brag about. You just have Christ. Does that mean works aren't a part of it? No. But if we're going to talk about the work involved, we're going to start by saying, your work isn't doing anything. You all with me? Because we're saved by faith. Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so he, first question, obvious answer. Second question, now listen up here, guys. If you began in the Spirit, if the Spirit brought you to life, if the Spirit is everything that you are, are you now working your way there? Are you now suddenly putting in all this effort that's making you acceptable to God? Is eating the right things and washing your hands in the special ceremony and not touching like pork or or whatever? Like is all that stuff making you holy now that Christ did it? Absolutely not. And again, it's an obvious like like um, uh, rhetorical question. They know the answer. Um, are you so foolish? 
Having begun by the Spirit, are you perfected by the flesh? And we all have to kind of sometimes ask ourselves this question, and this is not a small thing. Am I suddenly holy because I'm doing the right thing, because I, you know, because I behave the right way, because I wear the right T-shirts, because I listen to the right music, because I do this, because I do that, because none of that stuff will ever make you holy. None of it. None of it. Um, Verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So now what he's talking about here is the early church was persecuted. And it was persecuted by the Romans, and a lot of times it was persecuted by the Jewish faith. Like the people who were Jewish in the area, they would like persecute the church because um, they were suddenly all of these people who believed something new in their synagogues, and they had to kick them out. Um, As early as the second centuries, there are examples of synagogue prayers where they would pray openly for, like, Christians to be horribly killed. I mean, and, and, you know, this persecution, like, it's, it's... you know, it's real and it's serious. And he's saying, listen, you guys suffered and you suffered because you stopped being, you know, because you wouldn't follow these Jewish tenants. Like, are you, are you seriously now going to start following them? Like, you're suffering because you proclaim Christ first and foremost. Are you really going to abandon that in favor of empty work? Um, is that suffering really pointless? And in reality, um, a lot of times we want to we drop it. Because it is so tempting to be able to stand up and say, look at how awesome I am. I am working my way to heaven. Right? It's awesome. feels good. Like you can say, look at how good of a Christian I am. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so that last little bit there, the just as Abraham is actually verse 6. And we'll kind of parse this out. We're going to do the first half here. Um, He who supplies the spirit to you um, and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. And so Paul is saying, listen, you're not earning it. You're not doing good things so miracles happen. You're not doing good things so that you have visions and so you speak in tongues and all this. And like you're not doing anything to earn it. And God, like these folks know that they can't do it. In fact, they would be well aware of the history of the church. Like, like they would know Acts. And so they would know about Simon the sorcerer who shows up and says, hey, I really want this Holy Spirit thing. How much does it cost? Right? You can't buy it can't earn it you can't anything it is grace grace is a gift we receive that we do not earn that we cannot earn that we do not deserve that is just given and we have to receive it that is hard you know how i know it's hard talk to somebody about their financial problems pull out a hundred dollar bill and offer it to them and see them say no anybody ever like try to help someone nobody likes getting help right we like helping people nobody likes getting help Nobody likes, I, I, we have people do stuff for us, and I always say, well, what can I do to pay you back? What can I do for you? We don't like grace. We like earning stuff. We like deserving it. We like being awesome. We like paying it back. And it's, it happens with God. Our flesh comes out, and our flesh says, how do I put effort in to earn this? How do I pay you back, God? What do I need to do? And the answer is, like, you can't.
just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So he points back to Abraham. And Abraham is a rock star amongst the Jewish people. And he says, listen, just like Abraham, Abraham didn't do anything. God decided he was righteous. There it is, because he had faith. Um, We're going to dig into this a little more as we go. Um, Abraham was declared righteous, and then he moved, and then he obeyed, and then he was circumcised, and then he did this, and then he did that. But none of that stuff made him righteous. It was just faith. It was believing God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Um, I am made clean. I am made whole. I am made pure because of Christ. We don't like that idea. I read... um, a long essay written by the pastor who led uh, Jeffrey Dahmer to Christ. I, I, not everybody here is old enough to remember who Jeffrey Dahmer is. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer was a serial killer. Uh, he was also a cannibal and a bunch of other things on that list. He was a really genuinely horrible guy. He killed I mean, dozens and dozens of people. read a great quote from him where he said, because I didn't believe in God, I was a god to myself, and I did whatever I wanted. And this pastor started seeing him in prison, led him to Christ. He prayed, converted, and, like, bore fruit. Like, he was obviously a convert. Like, his life changed. Um, And this pastor talks about going back to his home church and the church being infuriated that he was ministering to a serial killer and being so angry at this idea. Like at, at the, you know, hey, this guy has come to Christ. Well, no, he can't. He killed people. He ate people. He did this. He did that. And in reality, he didn't deserve Christ. He didn't deserve forgiveness. He didn't deserve salvation, just like me. Thank you, Roberta. Just like you. And I love y'all, but just like you. It is a gift we have. We're going to look at Romans. I'm going to skip one verse here. And I know I'm running long, but I didn't start until late, so it's not my fault. Um, And I'm not sorry. Um, Paul is talking about, uh, in Romans, he talks about the Jewish people and the Gentiles and their pathway to coming to know God. And in 3, he kind of ties it all together. He says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, what that means is, he's saying, listen, Jewish people who obeyed the law and were picked out by God as special, and the Gentiles who were not, neither has an advantage. There is no distinction. There is no one-upsmanship. No one wins. They are all saved in the end by Christ, this gift. And propitiation, that's a big word. It means that Christ was put forward to be punished in our place. His blood paid and sated God's wrath against our sin. And we receive it by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he, has, he had passed over former sins. Um, <clears throat> the big thing I want you to walk away today with, um, the big important idea, as you go home and you eat way too much frozen pizza and, and you watch um, the Super Bowl and think, I'm sure Eric could do that, <laughs> um, is that I can't. Because at the core of who I am, I'm not good enough. In the same way, some people look at me and say, Eric, you really, you're spiritual, man. You, you know Christ. You do this, you do that. I am not any of those things. The only good thing about me is Christ. 
everything else about me, my people I hang out with, the family I was born to, everything, none of that stuff contributes to my salvation. It is only Christ. And if we turn anything else into salvation, if we turn anything else into our relationship with God, we're lost. We're trading the gift of Christ for something else. Over and over again, we have to come back to that. It is in Christ alone. I'm going to call my guys forward. It's the first Sunday of the month. And on the first Sunday of the month, we take communion.